If all you ate was cake and ice cream at every meal, you'd be left empty, unsatisfied, and wanting more. Funny, you know, that we do the same thing to satisfy our need for contentment in life. The secret to true and lasting contentment does not come about as the result of accumulating things and stuff that this world has to offer. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. If money and things don't satisfy our hunger for happiness, what will? Today, Charles Tapp shares the real secret to the contentment you seek, and his message, The Road to Contentment. Several years ago, while pastoring in New York City, I found myself drawn to a radio talk show that dealt with the topic of you and your finances. And I love talk radio. My kids who drive with me in the car know that daddy loves talk radio. Sometimes I think it gets on their last nerve, but it's my car. It was the kind of program where members of the listening audience would call in to get advice from the host on on how they should invest their portfolios. I don't know why, but for some reason I felt myself being drawn to this program week after week after week. As a matter of fact, I began to tune into that program every Sunday morning as I would fix my famous Sunday morning brunch for my family, which, by the way, included, among many things, my world-renowned, world-famous hash brown potatoes. For the most part, I couldn't relate to those who would call in each week to discuss their financial positions, for after all, I, I hadn't possessed no financial fortune. I was a pastor for the Adventist Church, living in New York City. No one ever died and left me their estate, or as my mother used to put it, son, one day you'll be rich when your rich uncle gets out of the poorhouse. I still don't know what she meant by that. And lastly, I possess no financial investments that needed to be diversified. One bank account, that was it. But nevertheless, for some reason, I enjoyed listening to others talk about their fortunes. In a way, I guess you could say that I was living vicariously through them. But there was one particular show where I I thought for a moment I saw a glimmer of hope. For this one particular caller began to speak a language that, that I could finally understand. For he began to share with the financial experts who were a husband and wife team, by the way, of just how tough life was for him and how he had finally reached the point where he wasn't able to make ends meet. He got to the end of the month and discovered there was more month left over than money. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you used to know. Some of you will be reminded again. Finally, I thought to myself, here's someone that knows my pain, that is able to speak my language. Here's someone that 
can understand what the common man is going through. But oh, how disappointed I was when the host asked this particular caller to divulge how much he made. And to hear him say it in his own words, he said, I only make about a million dollars a year. True story. I was so outraged that not only did I turn off the radio, I've never listened to that program again. How dare this man talk about tough times? So I thought. If he didn't feel that he could make it on a meager $1 million a year, give it to me, let me try. After I return my tithes and offerings, I think I could make it. I think I could make it. But as I thought about it, the words of Ecclesiastes 1.8 began to ring in my ears where he said, The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. In essence, the wise man Solomon is saying that regardless of how much we see or how much we hear, our human natures are never, ever really satisfied. We never reach the point in life where we are truly content 100% with what we have. He reached the conclusion, as has many of us today, as we do our assessments of life, it almost sounds as though he is experiencing a midlife crisis of sorts. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 3 and 8, through, through 8 rather. He says, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and, and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. Verse 8. He says, all things are wearisome. More than one can say. The eye the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. In Solomon's mind, nothing ever reaches a state of complete satisfaction. For in these few verses, we find demonstrated here the repetitious character of not only nature, but man as well. For the waters continue to flow into the seas, but they don't fill up. Men die, but they're always replenished by future generations. Nothing ever seems to reach a sense of achievement or completion. In other words, Solomon's saying here, there has to be more to life than this. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever said that? There has to be more than life than what I'm experiencing. So in chapter two and verse one, we find 
this wise man setting out to prove his hypotheses. Look at verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. It says, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you, talking about testing life, putting life to the test. He says, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But look at his conclusion. He says, but that also proved to be what? Meaningless. He says, I tried pleasure in all of its forms. I built homes and I amassed fortunes. I bought slaves so they could manage my estate. I acquired silver and I acquired gold and I had men and women singers who would entertain me. Even the entertainment, he says, of this world will never truly ever satisfy you. That's why he said in verse 10, listen, I denied myself nothing, but I've come to the conclusion that ultimately, he says in verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had tried to achieve, everything, everything, he says, was meaningless. In essence, none of what this wise man had achieved was able to bring him true and lasting contentment. As did Solomon, many today are still conducting their own experiments with life. For they too are in the search of this road that will ultimately lead to true and lasting contentment. But sadly, many of us today are looking for that road in all the wrong places. We look for it in relationships only to find out that our hearts are broken. We look for it in our educational pursuits, but we come to the conclusion that the more we learn, the more there is to be learned. We look for it in the workplace trying to achieve status, but we still come up empty. For you see, the world, and yes, many in the church are crying out desperately today, vanity, vanity, I've discovered all of its vanity. But the question that begs to be asked this morning is this, is there really a road? Is there really a path of life that I can take that will lead me ultimately to true and lasting content? But the answer to that, let's go to the book of Philippians as we look at the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to verse 13. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last, he's talking to the church at Philippi here, you have renewed your concern for me. He says, indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. For Paul was in prison here. In verse 11, he says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. In other words, I'm not patting you on the back so that you will bring me more or do more for me. He says, for I have, listen to this, I have learned to be what? Content whatever the circumstances. Let's go on. He says, I know what it is to what? Be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I can't raise my hand for that. 
He says, I have learned, listen to this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says, listen, I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. Amen? Don't miss this. For Paul is saying a great deal here. First and foremost, he is saying that the secret to true and lasting contentment does not come about as the result of accumulating things and stuff that this world has to offer. But he has discovered that true contentment only can come from God. And in verse 10, Paul's now rebuking the church for not remembering him during the past, but in essence, he's saying, I'm just glad now that you're here, not what you've brought me, but the fact that you are here with me. But his joy was not in the anticipation of what he received from the church, but rather it was simply in the fact that they had come to be in his presence. For Paul, the blessing was not to be found in the gifts but rather in the giver of those gifts. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Road to Contentment. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else and so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged to get more encouraging content go to wgts919.com this is simple truths for life and if money and things don't satisfy your hunger for happiness what will This week, Charles Tapp shares the secret to true and lasting contentment. As he concludes his message, the road to contentment. So when it comes to the things of this world, Paul says, I've learned to do with. I've learned to do what? Without. Some of you have learned to do with. But before it's all over, you're going to have to learn to do without. I've told you the first church that I pastored in Elmira, New York, when I stretched straight out of college, where I got $500 a month, that was my salary. And some people, you know, they thought I was kidding. But I kept, I kept the actual pay stubs so that I could remind myself every once in a while what I used to get. $500 now, we blow through that like it's nothing. That's a car payment. That was my salary. 
but yet I had to learn to do without. So I became very creative. And let me tell you something. When you don't have, you learn to be creative. You learn to make bricks with no straw. You know, there's a recession going on right now, but there are many people who don't know there's a recession because their life has been a recession. Some of you just got that. But I became very creative. You know, those were the days I did a lot of pastoral visitation. And I would always come into the home around mealtime. Lunchtime. Dinner time. And I know who's home to go to, Pastor. And when I would finish my visitation, I would pray and then head for the door. They would always say, Pastor, would you stay? Stay for dinner. Well, no. Well, okay, I'll stay. (laughs) I learned to do without. Paul says, I've learned to do with. He's simply saying that Whether life has blessed you with abundance, listen to this, or whether life has blessed you with little. That may sound oxymoronic in a sense, but sometimes little is a blessing for you. Maybe not for someone else, but it's a blessing in your life. He says, I've learned through the power of God to be content, for I can do all things. Not of my own strength, but in the power and strength of God. And many of us are living quite well in this Washington, D.C. area because the government is here and the economy hasn't been, you know, as impacted as it has in other parts of this country. But there's some strange things going on in this area. Did you feel the earthquake? When was it? Wednesday? Thursday? When was it? Okay, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Some of you have one every day of the week. I understand. (laughs) But honestly, when it happened about 5 a.m. because it woke me up, one of the few nights I was getting great sleep, Kay, great sleep, I felt this. And honestly, for a moment, I said to myself, this is the end of the world. God is coming. You laugh, but I thought that. And the question that instinctively came to my mind was, am I ready? And I was afraid to answer. But then it stopped, and I said, okay. (laughs) But there's some things that that are going to go on in this world, this country, this area, where many who have now will not have later. So you may think you don't fit into this category of the have-nots, but before it's all over, many of us will be right there. So we need to learn now, as Paul put it, this, this secret of lasting contentment. For it is not in things, it is in God. Our society does well today to 
to feed the misconception that if we can have all that our hearts desire, that we will finally be content, we will finally reach this state of satisfaction. But lessons of life have proven and shown us just the opposite. For when you go to high school as a freshman, you can't wait until you become a senior. So you can do what? Graduate and go to college. As soon as you go to college, you can't wait until you become a senior. So you can do what? Graduate, go into the workforce. I had a student tell me the other day, I didn't realize life was gonna be like this. All I have is bills, bills. Welcome to the world. <laughs> but then you get into the workforce, you're not content, so you want a promotion. That doesn't satisfy you, so you want another job. You're still not satisfied, so you say, well, let me get married. But then I get married, and you're still not satisfied, so then you say, well, let's have children. And then you're still not satisfied, then you have children, and you can't wait until they grow up, go to college, and get out of your house. <laughs> and the vicious cycle just continues on and on and on. You have single people who want to be married, married people who want to be single, There just never seems to be a completion, never really seems to be an end. You have actors who want to be singers, singers who want to be actors, and athletes who think they can do everything. Which leads to a second misconception, which says it's easier to be content with than without. But actually, the opposite have proven to be true. You see, when you possess little, as I said earlier, it forces you to be creative. When you think about it, depending on the things of life, sometimes can be very destructive. For the man that lives in want, listen to me, the man that lives in want can be easily consumed by his want, just as the man that is consumed by his wealth. I teach a, a class at the university, and it's on prayer. And one of the prayers that I share with my class is this obscure prayer found in the book of Proverbs. And if you're not careful, you will read the book of Proverbs and just completely miss it. But it's found in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. I want us to take a look at it today. If you have your Bibles open, not just look on the screen. Proverbs 37 to 9. It is the prayer of the prophet Agur. Not much is known about him. He's only mentioned here, and that's all you hear of this prophet in Proverbs 30. Here's his prayer to God, and I shared this with my, my family last night. We went over this in our devotional period. He says, two things I ask of you, O Lord. And it's of grave importance because he says, do not refuse this before I die. That sounds like it's urgent. He says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. And, and they, they are different. For lies is simply perverting the truth. A falsehood is carrying out or perpetrating or living the lie. But then he says something interesting. He says, give me neither what? Poverty or riches. Now, I've prayed the first part of that. Have you prayed the latter part of that prayer? Lord, don't give me poverty, but don't give me riches either. 
Never prayed that part. He says, listen, but give me what? Only my what? Daily bread. But look at his reason. In verse 9, he says, otherwise, I may have too much and do what? Disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become do what? Poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. The prayer of our guru is completely antithetical to the culture of today, where it's all about obtaining the quote-unquote abundant life. But the first aspect of this prayer that, it, that was so striking for me is that he only asked God for two things. Now, if there were two things I had an opportunity to ask God for and that would be guaranteed I would receive them before I died, would it only be two? I mean, many of us have a proverbial list of things we, we want from God because we're just never content. But he only asked for two things. Don't let me tell a lie and keep me from living a lie. But then he says, don't give me too little because God, I know myself. Do you know yourself? Agur says, Lord, I know me. Listen, if you give me too little, just going to be honest, I'm going to be tempted to take what somebody else has. I hate when someone takes what's mine. And Lord, if you give me too much, just going to be honest with you. It's going to be a challenge for my relationship with you because I know me and I'm going to begin to focus more on what you've given me than you. So I ask you today, do you know yourself? And what I really find to be interesting is the prophet doesn't tell God how much too little or too much is. He leaves that in the hands of God. Amen. And that's the essence or the secret of true contentment. For sometimes the things that we want, even though they may be good things, if we have those things, it may cause us to turn our backs on God. So God says, I can't give you the good thing because it will inevitably turn into a bad thing. The contentment comes in trusting God wherever he places us in life. Sometimes it will be the little, sometimes it will be the much, sometimes it'll just be right in the middle, but I'm content because that's where God has me right now. But there are many in life who feel that they have been cheated, they feel that they've been robbed, they feel as though God has not given them everything that they deserve, well guess what? You're right, you have not been given everything you deserve. For as a sinner, if you really got what you deserved, I don't think you would want it. So God, I'll continue to drive the car that I'm driving. It gets me from A to B and from B to A. I'll continue to be satisfied and content in where you have me right now. You may bump me up, you may bump me over, you may even push me back later, but now I'm content. Not in the things, not in the circumstances, but in you. And that's a lesson we need to learn, especially as we enter these last days. Not in the things, not in the jobs, not in the education, not in our skill, but in you. 
Because ultimately, our prayer should be the prayer of our Gur. Lord, I don't want any of this stuff because the most important thing to me is keeping my relationship with you intact. Is that the way it is with you? Is that the way it is with you? I don't want to dishonor your name, so if I got to have little, let me have little. But if giving me much, I can still have that relationship, then let me have that much. But whatever it is, my main thing, God, is I don't want to disown you. But my trust is not in the things. It's in you. Can you pray the prayer of a good today? I don't know what two things you would ask for. But I know in the final analysis, it all needs to boil down to this one thing. Never wanting to disown God in the midst of his blessings. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Road to Contentment. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. Living God's grace means I've got to do for others. I've got to go the second mile, the extra mile for them, and I may never get it back. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp wraps up this series, On the Road Again, with part three, The Road to Salvation. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.